The Blevins Franks Report with Rob Kay of Blevins Franks Wealth Management. It's a Sunday morning on Riviera Radio and that means it's time to chat with Rob Kay from Blevins Franks. Good morning. Good morning, Howard. Are you well? I'm well and what are we? We're into July already. Time flies. (laughs) Yeah, into the holiday season now. Yes. Well, talking about time... Over the past 18 months, we've made frequent references to inflation rates, which, over the past few months, have eased from the highs we saw at the start of the year. But despite the best efforts of governments and central banks, inflation certainly seems to be of a lot more persistent than we were told it would be. But before we discuss that, what caught your eye in the news this past week? Well, Howard, um, last week I finished this section of the broadcast by reminding the listeners not to forget to make the new Bien Immobilia residential property declaration. Well, that proved a little premature because early this week and before the the deadline ran out, the French authorities announced a one-month extension to the deadline and that new deadline is now the 31st of July. The French economy ministry said the deadline extension is due to a large number of declarations being received towards the end of the original declaration period. Then, in a press uh, release on the 23rd of June, Jérôme Fornel, the head of the DGFIP, said only half of France's homeowners have actually completed the form, even though they've been threatened with a €150 non-declaration fine. Despite the lack of uh, submissions, civil servants have also admitted that they've been overwhelmed by the queries, with tens of thousands of messages relating to the form yet to be answered. A new report published this week about the effects of Brexit on France by the public finance finance watchdog, the Cour de Comte, claims there is a lack of agreement and insufficient preparation for the UK travellers and the EES system, the European Entry and Exit system, which was supposed to be introduced um, last month, but now it's been uh, it's due to be launched in 2024 without any date having been put, been put on it yet. The report highlights the fact that there are just not enough officials to carry out the obligatory border requirements. First tests of the EES system, which involved the collection of, photo, uh, of a collection of photos and fingerprint data, indicate it could take twice, maybe three times as long, to get people actually through the border control. This has understandably triggered concerns about major delays at airports and ports next year when this system is introduced. The report highlighted concerns about UK controls where French border checks are carried out in Dover and at London St Pancras and at the Channel Tunnel. No positioning or deployment of pre-registration booths for EES um, as we see at Nice Airport has yet been agreed at St Pancras or Dover and no UK public support has been announced at the moment. Now, with just one week to go before the French schools break up for the long summer holiday and the queues at the Piage tell us the, uh, that tourists have started to arrive, and if the Monaco Grand Prix was anything to go by, I think this summer will be a very busy one. This is frequently a time than when many of our visitors fall in love with France and start looking to buy property, because as we all know, an Englishman's home is his castle, and Brits tend to buy property, not rent. This is when they find out what it costs to buy French real estate. So I was interested to read this week that France's national competition regulator has actually criticised the fees French immobiliers charge for their services. The average fee in 2022 was 5.78%. The regulator recommended lower rates to boost purchasing power. Then, as you would expect, French immobiliers were quick to defend their position. 
They claimed comparisons with other countries was like comparing apples with oranges because they take care of everything. And if you add all their services up, their costs are enormous without any guarantees of being paid, even though they've advertised properties, organised visits, negotiated deals, and then drawn up pre-contract sale contracts. It's, uh, it's for me a massive conundrum, however, but what French estate agents conveniently forget is it's the people who actually buy who subsidise the cost immobiliers incur promoting and showing properties to those people who don't actually end up buying. So moving on, can you put inflation into some sort of context for us? Are we not just experiencing a cost of living spike? Well, Howard, after after the past 18 months, that, that spike, as you describe it, seems to have turned into something of a period. But uh, but if we consider how we got here, we probably shouldn't be surprised. A, a survey published recently amazingly found that 66% of the population don't understand the impact of inflation. And they also don't realise if inflation was to run at 10% a year, the real value of our savings would halve in value in just seven years. A recent article which marked the pound coin's 40th birthday for me really put inflation into context. 40 years after the first pound coin was minted, it now buys you what 30 pence did back in 1983. Now obviously, that 70% loss in buying power is very subjective but because as we all know, it depends on how you spend your money and what you spend it on. There are substantial regional variances, but, but 40 years ago, the average cost of a house in the UK was around £27,400. Today, it's an eye-watering £290,000. A first-class stamp back then was 16 pence. Today, it's £1.10. Back in the 80s, a pint of London Pride cost less than 60 pence. I was in London earlier this week, and that same pint now costs over £5. I also noticed that Mars bars have also shrunk in size, but not in price. Back in the day, they cost 15 pence. These days, they cost 65 pence. What these price increases highlight is, yes, we're experiencing an inflation spike because prices have increased sharply due to a variety of reasons. Increased raw material costs, manufacturing costs, supply costs and distribution costs. But this is, this is the normal life journey that we all travel. Our constant companion... Fortunately or unfortunately, is inflation. But it's easy to forget, inflation is always hitching a ride. What we would do well to remember is Ronald Reagan's famous quote when he described inflation as a violent as a mugger, as frightening as an arm robber, and as deadly as a hitman. I've never forgotten Reagan's quote, but recently I think a better analogy is the silent assassin, because inflation has always been and will always be there lurking in the background. How and why does inflation affect stock and bond prices? And what's the link with interest rates? Since the, uh, since the financial crisis of 2008, central banks around the world have controlled the economic landscape by keeping a firm grip on interest rates and quantitative easing. Governments have been able to bake the cake as they wanted by using the tools at their disposal, which give them complete control. Now... COVID-19 and the resulting pandemic completely upset the apple cart because governments and therefore central banks were forced into providing massive economic support packages. It was impossible to inject the desperately needed funding at the levels that were required while at the same time maintain a firm grip on the control of the finances. As prices have continued to overheat, central banks have fought back by increasing interest rates while also reining in quantitative easing. 
as we've seen, that spooked not only the stock markets around, around the world, but also the bond markets. Last year, for only the fifth time in the past 100 years, the bond market and stock markets ended the year both in negative territory. For the past two decades, returns from equities and bonds have been what is described as, as negatively correlated, which means that when one goes up, the other goes down. This has been a key strategy for multi-asset investment propositions because investment managers have been able to balance these two classes to reduce portfolio risk and limit losses in times of market distress or turbulence. Do investors therefore need to be concerned? What should they do when inflation hits asset prices? Um, I, th I think we need to, first of all, be, be careful about using the word concerned, Howard. If we think too deeply about all the things that could go wrong before we do anything, um, we can very easily talk ourselves out of doing anything or, or doing nothing, which would, uh, which would be counterintuitive. If we imagine all the things that could go wrong when we take a flight, it's easy to scare ourselves to death. What most of us do, consciously or unconsciously, is weigh up the pros and cons. If we don't take that trip, will our lives be restricted? If it's a business trip, will our businesses be affected? Could people lose their jobs? If it's a pleasure trip, will our lives suffer by not being enriched by our experience at our destination at the other end of the flight? Should investors be concerned by inflation? The answer is definitely yes, but not just when there is a period of heightened inflation, as we've seen recently. Inflation isn't a light switch. You can't turn it on and off. It's always been there, whatever we do, and it will always be there in the background. As Warren Buffett recently said, people have money in their pockets and they'll pay higher prices, which, fuel, which fuels inflation. We need to ensure our finances are arranged to withstand the increased inflation by investing in inflation-sensitive investments, which will give us a hedge against inflation. Do retired people need to be especially worried by inflation, especially after it's been low for years? Um, the truth is, Howard, inflation hurts everyone, but, but those in retirement potentially suffer disproportionately because they don't have salary increases to compensate for their loss of purchasing power. Yes, UK state pensions benefit from the triple lock, but unless you have a generous index-linked company pension, you have to draw down more from your private pension and your savings pots to fund your lifestyle. You could buy a guaranteed income with a lump sum. This is known as an annuity in the UK, a rent viagier in France. However, inflation-proof annuities don't come cheap. £100,000 at the moment buys a 65-year-old man an annuity of £6,800. But if you want that annuity to be inflation-linked, that amount reduces, or the starting amount reduces, to £4,300. And we shouldn't forget... Most annuities die when we do, so to just get our money back, we need to live for at least 15 years. Potentially, we might do better if we use income drawdown arrangements. This means leaving our savings and pensions fully invested, but drawing an income for them to fund our expense requirements. With this type of arrangement, our money tends to be managed more carefully, and we need to be mindful of where, when, and what we draw down, and wherever possible, avoid unnecessary eroding of our capital. There is no exact science to drawdown strategies, but a drawdown of around 4% is usually sustainable if our investment profile isn't too cautious. Remember, we won't need to touch some of our cash for years, in some cases, maybe decades. The right allocation must match our attitude to risk, but I would say most drawdown arrangements will need to have at least a 60% allocation to equities, 
because that asset class is the class which is best equipped to beat inflation. We should never underestimate the power of compounding, especially with regard to investing. If our investment growth is allowed to compound, we'll have created an opportunity to generate increasing levels of drawdown receipts and therefore create our very own indexation system for our income. Do you think inflation will come down any time soon? Uh, as I said earlier, with, with all the measures our government and central banks have deployed, inflation rates have probably peaked, and I do expect them to come down in the second half of the year. Supply is gradually catching up with demand, and market anticipation of energy prices is, is subsiding. So the, the base effect is also dropping out of the price comparison, which is used as a measure of, of inflation. The pandemic was unprecedented in modern times, so the recovery so far has, has been different. It has taken longer than expected to repair the, repair the supply chain disruptions, and energy prices have stayed higher for longer because there's a greater focus on the need to transition to green energy. We are still seeing employees and unions demanding pay rises to compensate for higher living costs. This is logical, but if increased wage demands are left unchecked, businesses will have to recoup their losses or their costs through increasing prices and the inflation cycle could easily hit the slippery slopes. Economists call this the second round effect. The European Central Bank still seems quite confident that it will be able to uh, impact inflation and get the rates down before the end of 2023. Monetary policy has always had a delayed impact. It can't prevent short-lived price spikes. Higher borrowing costs at a time when higher energy and fuel bills are squeezing income and company profits creates an added challenge for a quick recovery. The ECB's mission is to keep prices stable, which means they are still aiming at an inflation target of 2% in the medium to long term. Stable prices benefit people all across the Eurozone by ensuring the economy grows, jobs are safe and you feel confident the money in your pocket will still be worth roughly the same tomorrow as it is today. We've all seen inflation affect our daily lives. But what about the longer term? What damage is it inflicting on our savings and income? Um, in a recent broadcast, I made reference to the fact that the number of 85-year-olds is projected to double over the next 20 years, which is, which is obviously good news for those of us in our 50s and 60s. But what impact will that have, and inflation have, on our finances? Going back to where we started and crunching some numbers, if we invest 1 million euros and in 30 years' time, after taking withdrawals from that investment, we still have 1 million euros, it's quite sobering to discover if inflation has compounded at just 3% over the whole period, our 1 million euros will have lost 60% of its buying power. The simple fact is, over time, purchasing power is the only rational definition of money. If I turn that around... If I retire today and my budgeted living costs are 100000 a year and inflation runs at 3% per annum, in 10 years' time I will need €140,000 to buy what 100000 is buying me today. In 20 years I will need 190000 and in 30 years 250000 That's a quarter of a million euros. Over the years I've occasionally been accused of skirmongering, Howard. What I've just described, I don't think is skirmongering, it's reality. The impact inflation has on our lives, which should not be underestimated. Now, if you've not sit down with your financial advisor and considered what may prove to be a three-decade, two-person retirement, you need to wake up. As I said, at the end of the day, purchasing power is the only real value of money.
Taking that into account, would you say inflation's a threat to our long-term financial security? Judging by the response we got at our recent seminar and the feedback we've been getting via the Riviera Radio portal, Riviera Radio app, livingstrikes.com, the answer is definitely yes. The way inflation surged and the way it stuck around, especially at the levels it, it has been, is definitely meaning there's a threat there, which more and more people are now starting to understand. Whether it's your weekly grocer's bill, sorry, grocery bill, filling your car up with fuel, or the energy bill dropping on your doormat, none of us are immune from the tentacles of inflation. We've had 10, maybe 15 years of not really having to concern ourselves with inflation, but it has always been there in the shadows, eating away at the buying power of the euro in our pockets. We shouldn't forget, even if inflation does return to 3 or 4% by the end of the year, over the past three years, it will have averaged over 6%. That's double the average I used in my earlier example, which means the buying power of our money has depreciated twice as quickly as usual. So how can we protect our savings and investment from inflation? Uh, so I suppose the, uh, the message I would like everyone to take from today's programme is when we review our finances, we should always be mindful of inflation. To generate returns in, a, in advance of inflation, we need to invest in assets that historically generate returns that are also in excess of inflation. At Blevins Franks, we believe that by working with your advisor and following a disciplined investment process, we can reduce our capital risk. We need to establish goals and time rations to determine a balanced attitude to risk. Then we need to construct a well-diversified portfolio and use quality investment managers. That portfolio then needs to be reviewed at least annually and we need to be patient. Stick with the plan. It's time in the market, not time in the market, that is more likely to achieve our longer term goals. If you already have an investment or investments, but you don't have a strategy tailored to your particular situation and appetite for risk, or you've not reviewed them recently, we'll be happy to look at your arrangements to see if they are appropriately structured to protect you from future inflation and taxation threats. We all need a tax-informed investment strategy which provides capital growth which exceeds inflation in the medium to longer term. This can be achieved with, with a strategic financial planning strategy which is based on your objectives, your circumstances and your risk profile. So if you'd like to discuss your financial arrangements with a Blevins Franks partner and you live in France, call our Valbon office. The telephone number there is 0493 that's 0493-001780. And if our Monaco office is more convenient, call our Monaco office. And the number here in Monaco is 97775574. That's 97775574. And finally, if you'd like to know more about Blevins Franks or contact us via the internet, visit our website, which is www.blevinsfranks.com. Many thanks, Rob. Keep cool till next week. Thank you very much, Howard. Speak to you next Sunday. Cheers. The Blevins Franks Report. If you would like more information on any of the topics discussed in this program, contact your local Blevins Franks office on 0493001780 or riviera at blevinsfranks.com. True cross border financial planning expertise. With offices and advisors across France and the UK, Blevins Franks provides integrated international wealth management solutions. Whether you're living in France or moving here, returning to the UK, or weighing up where to be tax resident, 
Blevins Franks can help. We have extensive knowledge of the French and UK tax regimes, how they interact, and tax planning opportunities. Visit BlevinsFranks.com to contact your local office.